Hey, happy Friday. It's Friday, not Tuesday, which means officially we have now two episodes a week. And this is the very first episode with a guest testimony. And I'm really excited to introduce you to the very first episode and our guest. Her name is Rochelle Christiane. And Rochelle is a multi-passionate manifesting generator with a background in holistic health and healing. She uses human design, food, and mindfulness to empower others to accept and love themselves. She has her own podcast called Emotional Mastery Podcast, and you can find her at rochelle.christiane or www.rochellechristiane.com. I will make sure to put all of her contact information in the show notes so that you can check her out. Today, we're going to hear her story and how she was able to find herself, overcome an abusive relationship, and really dig deep to understand who Rochelle is through the use of emotional regulation and human design. So she's going to touch on all of those things. We're going to talk a little astrology, a little spirituality. You're going to get it all today. I'm very excited and honored to introduce our very first guest testimony with Rochelle Christiane. Welcome to She Wakes Up, a podcast where you are granted permission to rise above your past, crush your fear and self-doubt, and go after the future of your dreams. I know life has taken over and has driven you to a place where you feel lost and scared and you have no idea how you got here. You just feel stuck in your job, relationships, motherhood, all of it. I see you and you're in the right place. I'm your host, Stacey Feeling, and I'm so pumped to have you here. I've been where you are. I was lost in abuse, finances, anxiety, poor health, you name it. I was up and down for years trying to fix myself on the surface. What I found was the real damage in need of fixing came from the inside. And so it was. If this is you, come hang with me. Grab a drinky drink and maybe a pint of some ice cream because we are skipping the small talk and getting right to the juice. Because girl, it's time to wake up. Hey, Rochelle. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. I just want to feature your story, but first, do you want to introduce yourself and let everybody know who Rochelle is? Yeah, sure. So my name is Rochelle Smith, Rochelle Christian um, on social media. That's more my branding. I am a podcast host, uh, the Emotional Mastery Podcast. I'm a holistic health coach focused on gut health, um, human design, astrology, kind of all the things. I'm a 6'3 emotional manifesting generator. So niching down and like pigeonholing myself is really difficult. <laughs> so kind of like, I'm just a little bit of everything. Um, yeah. My, you can find me on Instagram at Rochelle.Christian. I'm sure you'll have everything uh, later in the show notes, but that's really just like what I do in a nutshell. And my podcast is just about regulating emotions and kind of that self-acceptance, self-love, because when I first started my journey, I was just, you know, I had no idea who I was. I felt like I needed validation from everybody else around me. So when I like kind of got a little bit of freedom to figure out like what I wanted and who I was, like I had no clue. I went through to therapy for years and they were always like, you know, what, what is it you want? Or like, even in manifestation, when I started doing manifestation work, it was like, get really clear on what you want. And I literally had no idea because I have been so used to people just like kind of telling me and, you know, that was kind of always the easier thing to do. And in, in hindsight, it, you know, it was painful, but it was 
um, comfortable, I guess. So yeah, my journey just kind of started there and I've just been able to completely, even in the past year, I was uh, reflecting the other day and I was like, wow, like even in a year I'm completely shifted. So I love that you're doing this on Fridays. I love, you know, the, the theme and just, cause I think when you come from that point of you're just starting this and you have all this conditioning and all of these traumas and wounds, like it is really hard to see past right now because it's a slow unfolding, right? So being able to hear people and know that you're not alone and know that, you know, people who are, you know, what, wherever they are in their journey, right? Just to know that they were once where you are, I think is really powerful and healing. And again, yeah, just to feel not so alone. So thank you so much for having me on here and allowing me to share that. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's beautiful. What you said is knowing that you're not alone because that does feel like at, at sometimes when you're in the trenches going through that and you know, the days, the hours, the minutes, they seem to just drag on, especially when you're going through something difficult. But then you look back, like you said, through all of this, that you've overcome and you look and you realize, wow, I'd really have overcome a lot. Um, in the moment, it doesn't seem that way, but it really does. It's a very slow process, but if you're willing to keep going at it and know that at the end, you end up finding yourself and becoming that person that you want to be, to be and deserve to be, it's all worth it. So mm -hmm. um, with that, can you tell us just a little bit of backstory on kind of what your trauma was? And then I would love to hear about how um, specifically like human design and your niche in emotion mm -hmm. and what that looks like and how that's really helped you overcome all of the trauma and how it could help somebody else that's listening. Yeah, absolutely. So I always like to start when I tell my story, um, just in this compassion and understanding that my parents did the best they could with what they have. It's always kind of difficult for me to start, you know, because my parents, they're still married. They're, you know, seemingly happy. I think they're both coming from a generation where they stuffed a lot of emotions down. They weren't able to deal with their own stuff. They had traumatic childhood, so they didn't have the tools to help us. You know, I have a brother, so kind of like to help us. And of course, you know, I also believe that each child has very different parents, right? Like even just from energetics, from mechanics, you know, human design, astrology, whatever you want to look at it, there's just a different energetic between each, each um, child and their parents. So for me, I think my mom's way of taking care of us and showing us that she loved us was from more of a controlling space. Like she wanted to tell us what to do, what to eat, what, or not necessarily what to eat, but that was like part of it, you know, and like what to feel and what not to feel and how to act. And so I am a defined, you know, from human design, um, defined emotional solar plexus, um, which just means that I'm constantly riding this wave of emotions. So I'm up, I'm down. Um, there's no rhyme or reason to it. It's just literally just mechanics. I may wake up one morning in a terrible mood and I'll kind of fluctuate multiple times during the day. And my entire family is undefined emotionally, which, me which means that they are taking and amplifying my emotions. And so when I grew up, I was very much felt a lot of shame around being emotional. The kind of the theme was like, you know, Rochelle's in a bad mood today. Watch out. You got to walk on eggshells around her. You know, they used to call me Oscar the Grouch because I would sleep with my head on the ground and I was a grouch, you know? And so all these kind of things just, to me, the messaging was that I was not allowed to feel. If I felt I was wrong, I was too dramatic. I was too sensitive. I was too much for other people. Um, and yeah, I think there was also just this fear of judgment. Um, not necessarily for me. I feel like I fought my whole life <laughs> to get out of that space. But, you know, my mom grew up from, you know, a not very, you know, from a poor background and we ended up in Dubai. So I grew up in Dubai. My dad worked for Ford. And so I think she kind of always carried this 
um, fear of judgment from the outside world that she, she never really felt like she belonged there. So then that translated to us where it was like, we had to look a certain way. We had to act a certain way. We had to do certain things because God forbid, you know, we like followed our own, you know, drum and just kind of like, you know, what would everybody think? And so I, I, I was always like fighting this my whole life. Um, and so I learned that to be loved was to do what other people wanted me to do right? Like if I was able to please my mom, then, then I would be worthy of love. Then she would love me. Then she would show me, you know, the things that I was craving in that mother daughter relationship. And it just, you know, in an abusive sense, like my childhood was an abusive, I was never beat. I was never hit, but it led me because of the emotional um, trauma that I dealt with led me into abusive relationships. And so I found myself in two abusive relationships, one marriage, one just, you know, my first boyfriend was abusive. And so that in itself just kind of set me through this like toxic cycle, right? Um, I would just, that, that intensity and the, all, all the things that like go along with that, um, feeling like I had no worth outside of the person. And so I was 20, oh no, I was 30. I had just had, I had my son um, at 30 and I just like, I was in this abusive relationship and I just knew like I was so disconnected from myself. I had abandoned myself for so much of my life. And I literally just woke up one day and I was just like, I don't want my daughter to think this is the way she should be treated. And I had, had my son who was young at the time, but I was like, I didn't want him to feel like this is how he was supposed to treat women. And so my ex went for a job interview and I packed up everything I could. And I left, um, it was a long process of getting out. Um, and I just, yeah, I, it was very traumatic for me and just like having to go through the courts and you know, the whole, the whole thing. Mm -hmm. And so once I finally got some freedom and I felt like I could breathe and I felt safe within my body and within my space, um, I just started like trying to figure out who I was. I, like I said, I, I would journal and, you know, journaling was difficult in itself. Cause it's like, what do I talk about? Right. Like I would even just sit and it was just like, I just had no sense of who I was. And so I started all these meditations, the journaling, following like spiritual teachers, kind of like diving into my spirituality. And it was like, I knew I was, I, I like, I felt the fire come back. Right. Like I felt that, that knowing that I was meant for something so much more, but I still didn't know. And then about a year into my journey, human design found me in the most beautiful way. And when I saw human design and when I saw my chart on paper, I was like, holy shit, like this is who I am. You know, like I, all of these things that I'm trying so hard not to be that people, that society that I perceived was wrong or they, that wasn't, you know, that was too much or all these things was just exactly who I was. And so that allowed me, it just gave me this permission slip to just kind of like throw my middle fingers up and be like, you all can just take a back seat. Now I'm fighting myself, you know, like this is who I am and I'm going to like really embody that. Um, and that was about three and a half years ago. And just ever since I'm, you know, obviously I didn't learn my human design and change overnight. It's been a process, you know, like, like you said, it's, it's, it, 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 in hindsight, we can see all the changes and the shifts and there's still a lot of things I struggle with. But for me, I think that biggest piece was allowing myself to be emotional, allowing myself to feel the things that I felt being able to process them. And just like, you know, just being myself. And that meant, you know, leaving a lot of relationships and then setting a lot of boundaries. And that's not easy, right? Like that's probably the hardest thing. And even still, there are still relationships in my life that I know I need to set boundaries, but just, you know, we, in, in times when we are triggered, um, we fall back into comfort. And, you know, I, I think even if you're the most healed person, you know, aside from like, whether you're, you know, I don't know, like Gandhi or something, right? Like we're, we're human. So yeah. we're going to 
fall back into these patterns. We are going to find ourselves people pleasing or, um, you know, and I, but I just think it's, yeah, having all these tools to be able to say like, okay, I'm triggered now. Instead of just like continuing this pattern, let me take a step back. Let me breathe. Let me come back to myself. Let me journal. Let me really pinpoint what this is. So then I can take the next step forward that will keep me aligned with myself instead of just completely abandoning and losing myself. And sometimes you may abandon yourself in those moments, right? But it's, it's being able to come back to yourself quicker um, that I think is really helpful. Yeah. Amazing. Um, you definitely hit some points. Um, I went through very similar, so I know, um, and it is very difficult, especially when you have kids involved in that situation, when you're really trying to do what's best for them. Like you said, from childhood, you were put in this place where you had to become a person that wasn't aligned with who you really were. And that offset you right from the beginning. Like you were set up for failure and not because of any bad intention or your parents were doing the best that they could. And you kind of rolled with the punches, but then it led you into something that wasn't for you. And then you were stuck in that. And then you had to figure out how to get out of that. And then you had kids involved mm -hmm. and the whole thing just becomes this big wave of overwhelm and trying to focus on what's best for your kids at the time, which means you have to put yourself aside and then through it all, you know, you're, you're wound up this empty shell. And you have to start all over basically with who, who in the hell am I? You're like, I went through all of this. Now I have to figure myself out. And I just think that it's, it's so awesome that through the trauma, all this good came out of it. And you're so right. Like we, we shouldn't be put into a place where we have to pretend to be somebody that we're not. We shouldn't have to show up in an inauthentic way for anybody, especially our kids. Um, and to show them from the beginning that they are okay, they have that permission to be themselves and to love themselves and go after whatever it is for them, for nobody else. And like how, you know, when you're, especially when we're talking about our kids, it's like, how am I going to sit here and tell my kids, be yourself, go after your dreams, do all of these things when I'm so far removed from who I truly am, right? Because kids, yeah. like, they, they watch you more than they listen to you. And so, yeah, it just got to that point where it's just like, if I'm constantly telling them like, do what you want, be who you want, like they're, you know, it's limitless, but yet I'm stuck in this space where I'm just like a shell of who I am. I just, and I think I struggled with that for a while, like being a mom. Cause then it was like, when I figured out myself, when I tried to, when I was putting myself first in all these things, I think you have this, this stigma that you're being selfish, you know, like I'm putting myself first, but it's like, if I'm not putting myself first, like I have nothing left to give them, right? Like I have to fill myself up in order to overflow and give to my children. And so I think that's, it's just, it's really important to, to have compassion with yourself too, especially if your mom, you know, trying to figure yourself out because there is a balance there and it is easy just to continue to do everything for your children and not saying don't do for your children, you know, because as moms, we are going to, but also putting yourself first and finding yourself because that's going to be such a lesson for them. Yeah, exactly. And like you said, you're leading by example and they, you are modeling everything for them and they're taking all of that in and more so than you even realize. So mm -hmm. for you to recognize that is so powerful. And you know, you were taught at a young age too. And I feel like this is the majority for a lot of us, especially women is that we're told to keep quiet and we're told to just kind of conform with what society is asking of us. And we have to be the strong ones. We have to be the anchors of the family, which means that we have to repress all this emotion and we're never really allowed to feel. And if we, if we show any sort of emotion, then we are the weak link now. Mm -hmm. And we are not giving space for anybody else to grieve because we are selfishly taking that space, right? I think that's so powerful that you have recognized that and that you're sharing that with other women because 
we need to feel. And if you think about it, we're the hub of any household, whether we want to admit that or not. But ultimately, like when we come into a space and we're exuding some sort of energy, negative, positive, whatever it is, it radiates the room and everybody else feels that. Mm-hmm. So if we're not in tune with ourselves and we're not doing for us and we don't know who we are and we're lost in ourselves, what kind of energy are we really putting out there? Is it really serving, even though maybe we're not totally paying attention to who we are, but are we really putting out there the energy that we want our loved ones to receive from us? Yeah. And you're not, if you're not in that space. And that's like, even if you, like, as you're speaking, I just think of like, you know, when we, when we're in partnership, right? Like our spouse, our lover, our boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever partner that is like, I think when we're doing a lot of healing work, we tend to, we can want to fix somebody else. And I think even in that, the most powerful thing you can do is just to stay aligned with yourself because that person is just going to see you and feel your energy in that higher self, right? Like as you're continuing to be aligned with yourself, they're going to feel that. And that's, you know, unfortunately, sometimes it, it pushes people away because like when you're following yourself and you kind of see things from a different perspective, but more likely than not, like they're just going to naturally like gravitate towards that energy and want to look into it for themselves and want to heal themselves and want to, and want to change themselves alongside of you. Absolutely. It's funny that you say that. I just coached a girl about this and just because it's going to come out, you know what I mean? Your authentic Mm -hmm. self will come out eventually. And so if you're trying to hide behind somebody that you're really not, it's not good for yourself, but it's also not good for that person that you're trying to form a relationship with. And this could be even friendships. Like you're falsifying it from the beginning. You're Mm -hmm. setting up this fake relationship and it's going to end up failing because it's not aligning with who you are. Um, so I think that's such a valid point. Were you always a spiritual person or is this something that's completely new to you that just kind of fell in your lap and you kind of rolled with it? Because like you said, when you found that human design, you're like, oh my gosh, this explains so much. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I grew up in Dubai. So I moved there when I was eight, my family or my dad more so than my, my mom's not very religious. So she didn't go to church with us or anything, but my dad was Roman Catholic. So we would go to church every single Sunday. I did the confirmation communion, all those things. And then moved to Dubai when I was eight. And it was just, there were so many religions there, right? There was Islam, Hinduism, Buddhism, Christianity. Like there was just, I was just surrounded by so many different religions. And I always felt like I gravitated so much towards like Hinduism, like Buddhism, these kind of like more spiritually grounded um, religions, I guess. These these philosophies that were more just, um, I mean, I got an Om sign tattooed on my back when I was like 18 and I didn't even understand like the, 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 um, gravity or the, the, I don't even know what the word I'm looking for is, right? Like Ohm sign is, it's huge, right? It's the beginning and end of everything. It is like the sound that created the world, right? That mm-hmm. created, um, consciousness. Like if, if that is your belief, right? Um, but yeah, so I always kind of gravitated towards it, but I think because I had come from this Catholic background, I felt wrong for it as I did with so much else in my life. And so I kind of just left it there. I would, you know, anytime somebody talk about reincarnation, I would just kind of like you know, perk up a little bit, like that kind of stuff really interested me. And so when I started my journey again, like being able to come to myself and just like come, you know, I actually, I started going to a non-denominational church because that felt good. And there was a lot of teachings there that I appreciate. Um, the, the pastor would say, always be like, go read your Bible because I can sit here and tell you my interpretation of the Bible, what I've been told by God or whatever, but they were like, you may have a different interpretation of that passage than I do. And I was like, wow, I've never sat in a church setting where somebody has told me that it has empowered me to create my own relationship with God. And so after that, yeah, I was just like, kind of just allowed myself to 
integrate all these lessons and learnings that really resonated with me and felt powerful in my life. And so kind of, yes, I've always been spiritual, but I kind of always fought it. So then when I fully let it in, I had that base of my, my beliefs from all the stuff I'd kind of picked up. And yeah, I'm definitely the most spiritual person in my family. Um, I'm kind of the oddball in that way. Like they'll randomly, my mom will text me and be like, Oh, you know, send me some good vibes of your like spiritual, whatever, like kind of making a joke about it. If she's got Mm -hmm. something to do. Um, so I know, I see, I know that they see it, uh, but it's definitely, it's definitely different for them. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And I think in today's society too, there's just so many different alternatives. Um, you know, and I, I can honestly say, that I am way more spiritual than I am religious and that Mm -hmm. I have really looked through a lens of multiple religions and perspectives because I'm trying to just like you form my own kind of belief system on how I interpret things because, Mm -hmm. you know, I do have some Christian background and just recently for school, I'm going for my master's in psychology and I had to read an autobiography. So I read it on Buddha and that was Mm. just like a whole nother perspective and a lot of the things aligned with me. And like you had brought up Gandhi and even though like Buddha and Gandhi were these, they're they're still these huge, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, help me out. (laughs) (laughs) Just like Um, I lost my word on own, but but it is, there's, there's so much the energy of, of it is just beautiful. You know, like when I think of Gandhi, I read Autobiography of a Yogi. I don't know if you've read that one, um, but it was um, Prana. Uh, oh my gosh. Um, Prana. Uh, again, I'm losing my words. Yogananda. Is his <laughs> yeah. Um, Paramahansa Yogananda is who wrote the book, but okay. he like visited uh, Gandhi. I don't remember the time frame of it, but it's just, yeah. I, I don't know if that doesn't help you with finding that word, but like, there's just, there's so much beautiful, I think it's just, they just come from the space of love, you know? And when I was like going to church and when I was younger and started drinking and having sex, you know, when that was perceived as like being bad, I would always sit there at night when I was like feeling so much shame. And I was just like, I'm a good person. Like, I don't lie. I don't cheat. I don't steal. Like I, I try and like be as compassionate and kind as I can. And so those values kind of always stuck with me. And then as I became into my spirituality, it's like those, that, that truly are the qualities that bring up your vibration. You know, mm-hmm. granted, I don't always sit there. We're human, right? Like we, our souls came into this life, into this human form to experience emotions. That was the purpose of it. And, you know, from my perspective. So that's also why emotions are huge to me because we can get so emotions are overwhelming. Like there are times where I've spent months just swimming in this low vibration emotion, you know, feeling like, what am I going to do? Like being playing the victim. And, you know, I think that's just part of life and it's finding those tools to kind of like process it because when we don't process it, then it gets stuck in our body. Then we actually get physically sick, right? Like disease, disease. That's what that comes from. And so just, yeah, really, I don't know that, didn't answer. That didn't help you with that word for Gandhi. <laughs> That's okay. And in your, in your speaking, um, I came to the word with, which was inspiration, you know, okay. I mean? there's still an inspiration. They're still yeah, being, yeah. being modeled. Um, and so for me, I am just, I'm open to anybody's interpretation and whatever is serving you. I have no judgment whatsoever because we all mm-hmm. come from different places. We all come from different backgrounds and ultimately it comes down to us and what serves us and what we feel like we need to tune into more and emotion certainly ties around any spirituality or religious belief. And so when we're trying to get back into who we are and defining ourselves from this society that keeps telling us, and it doesn't get any better, like 
you and I are around the same age. And so like when we were growing up, it wasn't as bad as it is now. And I just feel like it keeps flooding in, um, this comparison and Mm. we feel like we have to succumb to that. And it's really difficult. It takes us away sometimes from our spirituality. It takes us away from feeling like we can be ourselves. And we really need to just kind of stay in our own lane and focus on who we are throughout everything. And that's a very difficult task. So how has human design and tuning into your emotions really helped you to stay in your lane, even when like the hard keeps coming? Cause like I spoke with you earlier and I told you, you know, like I was hit with some, some pretty heavy news this week, but because I've done the work and because I have these tools in my toolbox, it eased that heaviness for me. It didn't mm-hmm. easier, but it shifted how I looked at things and shifted my process and my emotions. So Mm -hmm. for you, what does that look like? Yeah. So I think like just my spirituality and having that like deep faith that everything is happening for me, you know, like I truly believe there are lessons in everything again, like back to reincarnation. Like I don't believe our soul ends in this lifetime. You know, like I think this is an iteration of our soul that has been around for thousands of different cycles. Right. So that in itself is just like when you kind of take that broader perspective, um, it allows you, you know, with, within, but I'm going to caveat that by saying like, I think it is, we need to process and feel our emotions. Right. So it's like feeling that emotion fully. And I believe like this, the number is like 90 seconds, our emotions cycle. If you fully allow them, it takes about 90 seconds, right. To like fully cycle through it an emotion and then be able to like not move on, but, but it lessens. Right. And so I think between that knowledge and then not fighting it all the time. Cause I used to like have an emotion come up and I would have that voice in my head that was just like, you're being silly. You're being ridiculous. Like, don't feel this. You're fine. Move on. You're fine. Right. Cause that was the messaging I always got as a kid. Like when I was emotional, it was just like, no, you're fine. You're fine. You're fine. That's what my mom always said to like me and my brother. And so just being allowed to be like, no, I'm not fine. Like this is not okay. You know, and listening to my anger and listening to my pain and listening to my grief and all of those things, um, just really allows me to process it faster. Um, and to, but it, I also feel it deeper than I ever did. So it's this duality, right? Where it's like, I feel it so intensely and so deeply, but then I can also come back to myself so much quicker. And as far as human design, um, I don't know if your listeners are familiar. So if you have any questions, you know, as I like kind of blurt out all this human design lingo, but I'm a six, three emotional manifesting generator. And so just in a nutshell, um, emotions. So we all have an authority in human design, and this is really just a way to make decisions um, based on your design and based on your energetics. And so for me, that's emotional authority. So learning that in itself, it has taken me like years to really integrate and fully understand what that means for me, because when you are emotional, it literally paints the way that you view your, your reality, right? So if I'm in a high and a wave, oh my gosh, everything is the best thing. I will buy anything. Cause that's the thing that I need right there. And that, you know, like it's just, everything is like amazing and, and nothing can go wrong. And then when we're in this low of our wave, it's really like kind of, we can really fall into that victim mindset. Like, oh my gosh, why did I do this thing? Or why was I so impulsive? Or so-and-so said this, and now I'm in this. And it's really easy to attach that state to somebody else, right? And sometimes with the emotional wave, if you have emotional authority and emotions in general, sometimes you're just in a bad mood and it doesn't have to do with anyone. But sometimes circumstances in our life, like say you have gone through a breakup and, or like, or with a partner, right? Like a partner may do something and all of a sudden you never cared before. And now you're in a bad mood and you're just like, oh my gosh, why would you do that? You're so, you know, like whatever comes Mm -hmm. out. And so allowing myself to understand the cycle of my wave 
And for me, my, the energetics and the mechanics of my wave needs to be expressed through my voice. And so I noticed like in my past, I would get really emotional and I would just like blurt it out right there. Um, or I wouldn't, right. I would keep it in for so long that when I did let it out, it was this huge explosion. Um, but again, I also found myself in relationships where it was not safe to express. Like I would not even have thought of getting mad at the, or expressing my anger or expressing what I felt, you know, because it just was not safe for me. And so that was really hard. Um, but yeah, just understanding that emotional wave that I, to, if I'm making a decision, no matter what it is, pull it at least through a cycle of my wave. If I can wait five minutes, 10 minutes, five days, you know, like the longer you can wait on making a decision, the more clarity you're going to get. And so just that piece of human design was so helpful because like I said, I'm super impulsive, right? Like I like to just like, I don't know. I, I love, I, because my profile is the six, three, um, which is all trial and error, basically double three. Um, I'm just like constantly Re, well, reframing, reframing failure was huge because I'm going to constantly fail because I'm constantly trying new things and I'm constantly just in this like cycle. And so those things were huge for me to just be able to be like, okay, this is just who I am. I feel a lot. I feel deeply. And if you want to pull astrology into it, I'm a Leo moon and Leo rising. So I'm all dramatic. <laughs> like literally emotions is all over my human design, all over my astrology, like literally and expressing that. Right. So those are like the key pieces that that really helped me give language to what I was feeling, what I was experiencing, what I was going through, which then in turn, as I decided I wanted to create a business around this and a podcast around this, that made it easier to, to kind of have that, that not funnel vision, but, you know, be able to see like, okay, these are the things that I feel like I can really help people with because A, they're my experiences and B, they're all over my charts, like in so many different ways. So, yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. You like everything that you have dabbled in. And it just seems like the more you pull, the more that it, it aligns with you. And the same thing when I stumbled upon human design and astrology and the Enneagram, and it was just like, I love personality tests, but the more that I read about really who I am, the more that it made sense, you know, and mm -hmm. for you to understand that failure is just your way of processing and learning and growing that did it make it easier for you to accept, you know, cause I found when I was reading my, through my personality and who I am, that as it made sense, I'm like, okay, I can accept this. Like it gave me that permission to say, oh, this is just, this is just who I am. Mm -hmm. Like, it's okay to do these things or feel this way or you know what I mean? Because like you said, it is aligning with your personality. And while it may seem cliche or may seem like out of the ordinary for some people, if that's what you're supposed to be doing, that's what aligns with you, then we shouldn't feel shamed or we shouldn't worry about judgment because it's like, we're just going off of who we are. Yeah. And I think we are, we're, taught in our society and our culture that like failure is wrong. If you, you know, like make sure you succeed and da da. but I think it's just not spoken about a lot. Cause like speak to any successful entrepreneur and they embrace failure in such a beautiful way. They would not be where they are had they not failed, right. Had they not learned that this wasn't going to work. So now how can I shift and pivot? Right. And like really failure, you're only failing if you give up. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's like really reframing that for me was so powerful because I used to just be like, quote unquote, I would fail. And then I would throw my hands up and be like, well, it's never going to work for me. It's not for me. I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy enough. 
And now it's like, if I fail, I'm like, okay, well that didn't work, but I still feel a lot of passion about doing this thing. So now how can I shift and pivot and just take that lesson and move on? So that in itself was just like so powerful because yeah, like again, manifesting generator, we're are multi-passionate. Um, and so it's not just always going to have this one passion in this one lane. Right. And so just the combination of those things, really, because I always had that messaging, like a, I failed and I would give up really easy and B yeah, I would give up because I have so many different passions. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's like, I would try something. It didn't work. So I'd move on to something else. Right. And, and people around me would be like, Oh, you're always a quitter. And so I really took that on where it was just like, Oh wow. Like I, I just felt like I couldn't do anything because you know, but it's also like, as a generator type, um, generators kind of go by this, this, you know, they, they work towards something, they hit a wall of frustration and they either push through it or they don't. Right. And if you don't, it's cause it's not really for you. It's not aligned and it might just be not right now. Um, but their cycle is they, they, they move forward. They hit, they hit a block, they hit a frustration, then they push through that. And it's kind of like the magic happens on the other side of it. So it's like when I do push through something and when I like have that funnel vision, I know I want to do something, then like, trust me, like the magic is coming, right? Because I'm going to keep pushing through and keep pushing through. But it's also like, I try so many different things along the way. And so I might taste something and not like it and put it down and walk away. But then, you know, other people will be like, well, why did you even try that if you're not going to see it through? Like, I just didn't feel good for me anymore, right? Like now I'm just going to go put all my energy into something that I actually want to do. So I think that's powerful, right? And to just like, being able to have all of my energy. Cause I think a lot of people have so much of their energy in so many different things that they don't actually feel lit up by. And they're doing it just cause they feel like they need to do it. Oh. Uh, and I think we all have lessons, right? And I'm not saying that this, that's wrong, that maybe you're, you know, your messaging, your conditioning, you know, but it's, I just, yeah, I don't, I don't think that there's any shaming in anything. We're all learning our own, our own lessons and going through our own experiences. But for me, that's what I found really powerful reframing that failure and just being like, no, I'm not a quitter. I just, it wasn't aligned. So I left it and I went and put my energy in something that I wanted to. So. Yes. I'm just over here, like nodding my head, like crazy person (laughs) because (laughs) I too am a manifesting generator. I'm a six two. Mm -hmm. And unlike you, I am not so familiar with human design. I've only just kind of scratched the surface with it and I am loving everything so far. And I definitely want to dig deeper into that, but I know, and this helped me so much in my business, understanding that I have dabbled in MLM. I have, you know, done other little ventures on the side. And it was just more of a, I listened to what my mind was saying. My mind was like, yep, jump on it. That's an opportunity. Let's see where it goes. And then it was definitely different on how many, how long that I would stick with it. It was just Mm -hmm. kind of varied. It was, there were, there was no structure there. I didn't have a plan. It was just like, this sounds good. Let's do this. And when I came into this space where I felt like I just needed to take a step back and tune into me, when I started to actually listen to my intuition, um, which is a huge piece of that alignment with my human design is lead with your gut and your heart rather than your Mm -hmm. mind. And this whole time I was leading with my mind. And because of that, I was going on these ventures that just weren't for me. And so it comes across as, Hey, look, I'm doing this thing for six months, you know, and then I fall off and then, Hey, look, I'm starting this thing. And I do that for like a year and a half and I fall off. And for me, because I've always just been a very motivated person and I really don't care what anybody else thinks of me. That's just like who I am. I always rolled with it, but I could really see how that could take a toll on somebody that, um, is really trying and really believes in the thing that they're pursuing and then it doesn't work out and they're afraid to try again. They're afraid to pick Mm -hmm. themselves back up and go again for something that could potentially serve them and other people. 
So that is a very difficult thing to kind of juggle when you're trying to find your passion and your purpose. Mm-hmm. And I feel like we all have that. I was to say, if, if, if I can talk about your design just for a second, so you're a six, two, which means for the first 30 years of your life, you were a three, two, right? So that third line is that trial and error. It's that, like that martyr, right? You're going to do things to figure it out, to understand why you should or shouldn't do it so that you can come into this role model, which is the sixth line is the role model, right? So that you can eventually come into this role model and be like, Hey, you should do this, or this is what worked for me. It's kind of like this, you're observing, you're trialing and erring, erroring so that you can show people, you can model to people what is the best way to do things, right? From experience. And then you have the second line, which runs in the background, which is the hermit, right? So you're going to want to, like, you have so many natural talents and you need space. You need time to be by yourself to really cultivate and nurture those talents. And you'll be like called out for those things. And you're also emotional authority too. So waiting for that wave um, is really important for you too, to get clarity on the decisions that you should and shouldn't that are aligned for you. I'll say, I don't like to say should or shouldn't because <laughs> I don't think there is anything that we should or shouldn't do. It's really just what feels good. Sure. But then on top of that, you know, you have your sacral, which is that gut response that, uh-huh, that hell yes or hell no. And you have your spleen, you have all of those defined. And so you're getting all of these messaging from your body, which is why it's so important to also wait through that wave, getting that emotional or getting that um, sacral hit and then getting that splenic hit and taking those as pieces of information through And then another thing, like you're very defined. The only thing you have undefined is your head. So your mind is going to be your biggest conditioned space in your life, right? It's like you're getting all these messages. You're within your mind of, so for you, overthinking may be a conditioned response, right? To things. So it's like kind of, you know, because you have so much definition, um, I just feel like that not knowing where that mental clarity is, can be a really uh, big trigger for you. Yeah, definitely. And that's a lot of what I speak on with my coaching. And I feel like um, you just gave me so much more than I had ever interpreted through the reading that I have done. And it just makes so much sense because it's so true. Like when I finally did decide that this is what I am supposed to be doing and it felt so right, like you just hit it right there. Like I went through everything, all these experiences, and you can say the same thing that Mm -hmm we went through what we had to go through, unfortunately, to not only find ourselves and to become better for ourselves, but to share our story and our our experiences to help other women go through the same thing and to also help the future of all of us. And Mm -hmm. when we are encountered with the hard, which is guaranteed in life, we know how to overcome that because we've done hard things in the past. Yeah. And I like, when I look back at my, like my story, my life and everything that's happened, would I ever, do I want to relive that? Hell no. But I'm so grateful in hindsight. I'm grateful because I like where I'm at right now in my life, I feel so empowered. I feel so deeply spiritual, tapped in, connected. Like I feel so lit up by my life and what I've created. And I would not be here had I not experienced all those things. So as hard and as painful and as traumatic as they were, I just know that my, I, I, my personal beliefs are that I came here to experience those things so that I can do what I'm doing now. So absolutely. Yeah. And I think that when you are in a different headspace and you're going through that, like we said before, when you're in those trenches, it can be really difficult to see that in the moment, mm-hmm. but to understand that the hard's going to happen. And sometimes it's just perspective, shifting that perspective, kind of acknowledging that it is important to tune into yourself and how we do that is equally important 
it just prepares us for what's going to happen next in Mm -hmm. such a aligned way. What would you tell the woman listening to this that has been in our shoes, has been or currently living through a situation that's difficult? Like, where would she start? Because I feel like getting started is honestly the hardest part. You know, you can evaluate. I don't know how many times that I sat back and I'm like, I need to get out. I need to get out. This doesn't feel right. I need to get out. But I never actually move that needle forward. So what would you tell the woman listening that she's just really looking to get started and she knows that there's more, she wants to find herself, but she has no freaking clue how to do that. Mm -hmm. I would say, listen to yourself and trust yourself because I know for me, like I abandoned myself so many times. I thought it was wrong. (laughs) I thought it was wrong for like the things that I felt. Right. So I would just say like, trust yourself, know that you are not wrong. Your feelings are valid right? Like that was so huge for me to learn that, to, to, to accept that, that like what I was feeling, I was allowed to feel, you know, I think, yeah, it's just when I think back to that space of like, yeah, how many times I tried to leave my situation, how many times I tried to do something differently or how many times I like fell back into the same pattern. It's just continuing to move forward. Um, finding that tool that helps for you. So whether it's, you know, for me, my whole journey began when I started working out, I was just like, so low and so down, I was drinking a lot. I was eating all the wrong foods. I was just so unhappy in my life. And I started going to the gym and that just gave me just enough clarity, just enough confidence, I guess, in myself, or, or it just kind of cleared that mental fog that I could be like, okay, wow. Like, you know, something needs to change. And it wasn't like, you know, I started working out in August. I left my situation in November, um, you know, but again, yeah, over the years I had tried so many times to get out. So I, it's not like it just took three months and all of a sudden I was like, oh, I'm done. You know, I'm out. Like it, it takes time. But I think like what I wish I had known back then is just that everything I felt was valid. Everything, you know, we all in hindsight, we all know, you know, we all know that something is not for us. We see the red flags, but we choose to ignore it because we do, we want to be loved. We want to be seen. And, you know, it just sometimes leads us down paths that are not aligned with us. But I think trusting yourself and finding whatever, whatever tool works for you, again, working out, meditation, journaling, breath work, um, having a supportive community, because especially when you're in that situation, you know, if, if you're in an abusive relationship or in a toxic relationship or manipulative, whatever, um, kind of, you know, if that's something that you're struggling with, we become very isolated because, you know, that's, that's that pattern, right? We, if we don't have anybody, then we have nobody to tell us that we're in a, in a wrong situation, you know? And I think that's the progression of relationships like that. So finding support in some way, um, can be really helpful too, uh, within that. But yeah, I think just, just tr- beginning the journey of trusting yourself and finding out what that means. Um, I think it's powerful. Yeah. And definitely knowing that you're not alone. There's many of us who are going through this or have gone through this. um, And we just, we're not having conversations around it. So maybe Mm -hmm. it seems like you're the minority, but that is far from the truth. And Rochelle, just to speak on what you had said regarding your childhood. And a lot of the work that I help women through is really digging deep to heal that inner child and the thoughts and beliefs that we are molded to have that misaligns us right from jump what would you tell your kids and, or yourself as that little girl that was going through this? I always tell my kids, you know, whenever they're emotional or just all the time, I always tell them that they are 
valid for their feelings that, you know, my son, I think struggles with it more uh, so than my daughter, but my son will kind of, he'll be fine. And then he'll like blow up out of nowhere. And I always try and tell them just like, you know, whatever you feel is valid. I'm not here to tell you that you're wrong for being angry, that you're wrong for being sad. Um, but like, how can we, how can we find tools to process it rather than shoving it down? Like I want them to express it. Right. Um, and my daughter too, I, I, I see she, so, you know, going back to human design, um, you know, our first like human design kind of goes by these seven year cycles. And so the first seven years in your life are when you're highly susceptible to conditioning. Um, and so my daughter, when I came into this knowledge, when I kind of came into myself, she was over seven. So now I feel like I'm really trying to help her younger rather than later kind of come back to knowing herself. But I think like when we truly allow our kids to be who they are, which can be frustrating, right? Cause it's like, kids are so beautiful in the way that they just, they just do what feels right. Right. We're the ones that put that into a box and say like, no, that's not right because of this situation or you're here and you can't act that way. And sure. Like, I don't want my kids going out into like a restaurant and just like jumping on tables like monkeys, you know what I mean? Like there's, <laughs> you have to like have like boundaries within that. But I also, you know, I see my son who is literally being raised with me understanding his design. And so, you know, even when we go out, he has, he has no fear of speaking to people. He'll ask for what he wants. You know, if he gets mad at me now, he'll just be like, mom, you just made me so angry. And I'm like, okay, cool. Now, what do you need from me? You know, like, how can we like move past this? Um, and I'm, you know, every time I talk about my kids, like I'm, I'm not a perfect mom. I get mad at them all the time. You know what I mean? I'll be like, go to your room or I'll catch myself, <laughs> you know, saying things like, they'll be like, why can't I do this? And I'm like, just because, because I said so. And then I'm like, Ooh, don't say that. You know what I mean? Like catching right. myself of like, let's, but yeah. And I think, you know, as far as like inner child work, I think a lot of that comes from when I'm feeling triggered, when I'm feeling emotional and I really close my eyes and, and, and settle down and like take care of my own inner child. It's like what she wants more than anything else is just to be like seen, right? Like so much of my inner child work is literally me just sitting there holding her and just letting her know that she's, she's perfect as she is, you know, like there's nothing wrong with her that, um, that yeah, she's seen and she's loved and, and, and she's safe, you know? And so I just, when it comes to my kids, I think about my inner child and what I would have needed at that age. And I just, you know, and another thing I do, I ask them, I'm like, what do you need from me? Cause I don't want to assume that they want me to hold them or coddle them or that they need me to, you know, I, sometimes I, I just, we don't know unless we ask. And I think as parents, we want to guide our children. We want to help our children. You know, like my parents wanted me in every way possible not to experience the life that they experienced. Yeah. And so like they, they, they did it, but they never asked me, they never took into consideration what I Rochelle as an individual needed. Um, they just did it based on what they needed. And I, you know, I have compassion and I have appreciation for everything that they've given me. Um, but I still think, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of conditioning that comes in that. So yeah, I just try to ask my kids when they're in those, I'm like, what do you need from me right now? What, how can I support you? And I think that just gives them a little bit of, you know, it gives them the power of using their voice and, and, and stating their needs um, that I'm hoping as they get older, that they'll be able to use, whether it's in business or relationships or, you know, just in life. So. Yeah. And I think that society makes kids feel as if they're not valued or mm -hmm. that they don't have an opinion and their opinion doesn't matter because they haven't lived enough, but yeah. kids are little people mm -hmm. and what we are saying and doing and modeling to them is what is going to create who these big people become. Like you said, I think a lot of our own conditioning comes out in our parenting and we take the things that we like, the things that we don't like, and we kind of mold it into our own, but yet we're still trying to overcome our own inner child. I think you just, by giving your kids the validation that their opinion matters, that you're letting their voice be heard is so amazing because you're teaching them from such a young age that 
they are their own person and their opinion does matter and that they should be heard. And I think that's just a movement that hopefully we can see the shift because um, generation to generation, I know from us specifically, like you're to be seen and not heard, you know, Mm -hmm. I mean, how many times have you heard that? Like you're to be seen and not heard. Mm -hmm. Um, And that just follows you. So, and I also think like, yeah, sorry, I have one more thing to say on that too. Absolutely. Even if your kids are like 20 right now, right. And you're like, (laughs) and and if you're healing yourself and you're real and you're finding these things that maybe you've conditioned in them or things that you want to change, like you, no matter what age you are, even if you are 85 years old and you decide now is the time you're going to heal yourself and come into your knowing and start flowing with yourself, like you are still healing your children and their children and their children, right? Like are in healing yourself, you're healing seven generations before and after. So it doesn't matter your age. It doesn't matter how old your kids are. Like you are still doing the work that will still heal them on a energetic, emotional conscious level, you know? So I think it's, it's important to remember that too. Cause I think sometimes we're just like, oh my gosh, my kid's like 15 and I'm now healing. And I've realized all the things that I did that weren't aligned and it's okay. Right. Have compassion with yourself and just know that like doing this work, you're still, you're, you're doing the work and it's still going to be felt. So true. And that's like with finding yourself too. I know that I've spoke with a lot of women who are like, oh, it's too late. You know, I'm in my fifties and you know, it's too late to do this work. It's never too late. And it's never too late to make that shift and make an impact on somebody, including yourself. So thank mm-hmm. you for sharing that. Oh, you have sh- short, blah, blah, blah. you have shared <laughs> so much value today. And I just appreciate you coming on and speaking your truth and being vulnerable and also sharing some ways that can help other people overcome their trauma and through their healing process. So where one can our listeners find some more on human design if they are mm-hmm. intrigued by that? And I know that you said where we can find you and I will put the details in the show notes, but just kind of end the show. Um, if somebody wants to reach out and connect with you, how can they do that? Mm-hmm. Uh, so human design, oh, there's so many sources online right now. I mean, Instagram has so many amazing accounts that, you know, talk about human design, find, find a human design expert that kind of speaks to you. Um, Cause I think there's, I think the beautiful thing about it is, you know, human design is quote unquote by the books. There's very, there's a lot of like material. It's very complex. It's very nuanced, but I think like there is an element of like intuition involved with it. Right. Um, so find somebody that speaks to you. Google search is awesome. Like Jovian archive is kind of like the OG place for human design. Like that's where the original, um, the original guy that channeled all the information that's kind of like his space. Um, there are books, there are plenty of books. If you're a reader, um, yeah, uh, Karen Curry Parker, um, Cheetan Parkin, I might be mispronouncing his name, um, are some really great sources too. So again, yeah, you can kind of start there on Instagram and just like follow that rabbit hole because I promise you, <laughs> you'll, you'll be taking places that are just, you know, finding all sorts of accounts and all sorts of information. Um, and then as far as me, yeah, I'm on Instagram at Rochelle.Christian. Um, I talk about human design. I talk about gut health. I talk about emotions, spirituality, kind of like all of my um, MG uh, passions. And then my podcast is the Emotional Mastery Podcast. And that's found um, Spotify, iTunes, Amazon, all the places that you listen to podcasts. And um, I do one, I do a solo one week and then the next week as a guest. And it's just, you know, allowing people to share their stories and their tools, um, kind of how they've, you know, healed themselves or are healing themselves and the tools that they have to use. And it's just, yeah, it's just a beautiful space to um, share my voice and just to help others and allow them to share their voice and yeah, help the listeners get tools to self-regulate their emotions. Awesome, Michelle. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. We'll talk soon. Yeah.